0: Maybe there's a reason for it. After, my, after one year in the Air Force of I, I basic and tech school and everything, I got my first assignment Colorado Springs. My wife had been raised in Upper New York in a Methodist church with a Baptist circuit preacher. Amen. I was raised in a Bible church, Baptistic and so we're there in, in Colorado Springs going through the telephone book. I know some of you don't know what a telephone book is. <laughs> and we're trying to find a church to go to. We thought we did. Knock came on our door. Two teenage girls from an independent Baptist church. Why did God take us to Colorado Springs? Those teenage girls got us into the right church. Amen. Amen. The next set of editor my next set of orders was Philippines. And I had a chance to see the preachers there, the missionaries. We had a good time. I remember traveling down to Cebu and uh, talking to Bob Hughes, great man of the past. And uh, during our conversation, he was uh, telling me about the Philippines. And he told me, he said, there's an island over there has over 2 million people and no missionary, no missionary. Well, I was in the Air Force. I just put that on the back burner type thing. And I came back to Oklahoma. And God brought me there for a reason because, see, what was coming in the future, I needed to have special training. And it took a gym vineyard to to get me that training I needed. Because uh, was, it was going to be a rough place. Because see, after, I remember those, those pastors, missionaries, and I had seen all of them. And hey, northern Luzon needs a lot of missionaries and preachers. There's a lot of people up there. And so I just praise God they're there. If they're there, I can go someplace else. Amen. And I started praying, Lord, show me where nobody wants to go. And I'll go to that place. Don't pray that kind of prayer unless you mean it. Amen? Because God might just do it. And so the place uh, God took us to was uh, the communist headquarters, I guess you could say. The NBA, and they would be in my church all the time with their guns, with orders to kill me if I said the wrong thing. They didn't teach me that in Bible school. And it's just like... It was a different way of life that I was living. No electricity, no running water, 50 years behind, but they needed the gospel, amen? They needed the gospel. And after I'd been there, started the church in Brongan, started the church in Mitalong, I just got unburdened about this province that had nobody there, the place that Bob Hughes had pointed out to me many years beforehand. And so I started going up and down the coast, up and down the coast with Bible studies. Every Monday I'd go to all the major towns up the coast. Came to this one town called Dolores. And this one day, I looked down the street and I saw an amazing sight. I saw a Caucasian man. I'm the only one in the whole province. And so it caught me off guard seeing this white man down there. So I went to him. I introduced myself. Told him I'm a missionary. I'm doing Bible studies here in Dolores. He told me I'm Paul Dichon from Belgium. He said I'm here to get a wife. I don't know how they did it back in the 80's. That's another story I guess. But all I know is he said something because i had said about bible studies and he said "Um, they're doing a bible study with me these filipinos and i talked to him it was the jw's and i said paul how about if i do a bible study with you he said okay for three months every week i'd go there and have a bible study with paul for three months and he bowed his head and asked jesus come into his heart he then started helping us. And then he came to me one day and said, I have to go back to Belgium, have to take my bride back there. And so I looked and I found an independent Baptist church close to his town. I said, Go there, go there. That was 1986. <clears throat> August 2022. I get an email. And this uh, lady says to me, you don't know me, but my father-in-law, Paul Duchon, talks about you a lot. She says, you don't know the rest of the story. Let me tell you what happened after 1986. She said, his wife got saved a year later. She got baptized. They had three children. She says, one of them I'm married to, and we are missionaries in Belgium, starting churches. The other brother, he is the pastor of the church where I told him to go to. The other one is a very busy, busy, busy man, helping all the missionaries and the pastors in the ministry. The two of them are married, have six kids, and they're all involved in the ministry. I don't know how many kids, how many people have been saved, how many churches have been started, because I led one man to the Lord, because God said, go to a place where nobody else wants to go to. I had a meeting to meet with Paul, so he could take that gospel back to Belgium and start churches, train people. Isn't God good? Yeah. Amen? You're a part of that, amen? Amen? You're a part of that. Okay, the uh, video we're going to show, it's, uh was put together 10 years ago or so, I mean, many years ago. And so the, the figures, are go- it's going to talk about us being in the 60s, we're in the 70s. It's going to talk about, oh, they've been there 25 years. It's now 35 years. And so the figures are wrong, but the facts, it's, it's a wonderful ministry God had led us through. And then I will end, when I preach the message, I will end with this last four years. You need to hear that part. And so let's go ahead and can the video.
1: In Boston, Massachusetts. After a two year courtship, they became husband and wife in August of 1969. It soon became evident that God had not only brought them together as husband and wife, but had a plan for them to serve the Lord full time. The vision of God's future for them became more of a reality when the U.S. Air Force sent Dan to Clark Air Force Base in the Philippine Islands. Through a Baptist church there, they took many mission trips out to the rice fields to visit Filipino pastors and their families. God used this for them to develop a love and burden for the Filipino people to be saved. The vision and the burden became heavier when the tour at Clark Air Force Base was finished in June 1973. As they sat on the tarmac with their firstborn child, a daughter, Cindy Joy, ready to return to the States, they began to question each other. Would God ever allow us to come back and be missionaries? After Dan got out of the Air Force, God worked through circumstances and led them to Windsor Hills Baptist Church, where he surrendered to preach and soon enrolled in Oklahoma Baptist College. In March 1980, just before Dan's graduation from OBC, he and Beth surrendered to be missionaries to the Philippines. With three children and a travel trailer, they began deputation to raise support to go back to the Philippines as missionaries to share the gospel with the Filipino people.
0: Greetings, folks. We are Dan and Beth Dion, serving as missionaries to the Philippines out of Higher Plain Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Our pastor is Dr. Tom Vineyard. We have had the privilege of serving the Lord in the Philippines for over 25 years, and we thank God each day for this. Let us give you some basic statistics of the Philippine Islands.
2: The Philippines is an archipelago of 7,000 plus islands located just east of Vietnam and north of Papua New Guinea. The projected census for 2018 is 106 million people. The people are very diversified, mostly of Malaysian descent. The dominant religion is Catholic at nearly 80%, and the second is Muslim at almost 12%. The remaining religions of various cults is 6%, leaving approximately 1% for Bible-believing Christians although bible verses are displayed in public places and the philippines is said to be the largest christian nation in the orient they do not know the truth of the bible that jesus christ is the only way to heaven this is why we are in the philippines to proclaim the gospel of jesus christ
0: in january 1984 we arrived in manila and although god had impressed upon our hearts to go to the island of Samar, we first assisted Missionary Mel Brown at Loma Baptist Church in Quezon City. The vision began to unfold into a reality when our family moved to Barang in eastern Samar in April 1985.
2: Our four children were raised in a place where there was little electricity, but they loved the Wadi people and were happy there serving the Lord with us. Barongan Baptist Church was started in that year along with Barongan Baptist College. Sometimes we used a tent for evangelism. We also had to carry a generator in order to show a film, and we saw many folks accept Christ. The mighty long work began when a lady received a tract and told us that she was saved in Manila. She asked us if we could start a Baptist church in her town. There are also many men who have started works at a Borongan Baptist Church.
0: Borongan Baptist Church is now under the leadership of a national pastor, Alain Sabeti. It is still thriving, preaching the gospel, and carrying out the vision of winning Filipino souls to Jesus Christ. God gave us a broader vision in 2008 to begin working on the island of Mindanao with missionary Bruce Rice in Dipolog City 94% of the Muslims in the Philippines are on this island I assist Pastor Rice in teaching and training men to preach and start New Testament gospel preaching churches We are blessed to see and hear the gospel preached with great fervor from the students of Westside Baptist College of Ministry. Beth teaches piano preparing the students for hymn playing and schedules them to integrate in the music program of Westside Baptist Church. This prepares them as church musicians as well as how to teach others. She also teaches basic health and home management to prepare the young ladies for other skills they may need in the ministry.
2: One of our greatest needs living in the province was that of transportation. A special thank you for your love gifts, which allowed us to purchase a new Isuzu IPV in 2014 for use in the ministry. Many souls have come to Christ as their personal Savior as a result of this vehicle. Missions Conference at Westside Baptist Church is the highlight of the year. Missions is taught in the classroom and practically exemplified as the Great Commission is carried out by Westside Baptist Church. Just think, your money not only reaches to the Philippines, but goes beyond that to the island of Leste, for Ferdy Flores. He and his wife Jeannie have been serving the Lord there for 18 years and have started several Bible studies out of their church.
0: School ministries in De Polo vary from year to year. We have been blessed this year to see a new high school ministry in Kagong. We have seen 20 saved. Westside Baptist Church is now on the air. The gospel is heard weekly on a local radio station reaching people in areas we have not gone as yet. During the summer months, There is daily vacation Bible school and youth camp. As many as 14 churches participated in camp with over 250 campers and workers. This year, 14 young people accepted Christ as their savior and several got reassurance of their salvation. Westside Bible Institute was started to strengthen the members of Westside Baptist Church just three years ago. This year, they had their first graduate. Now, three more members have enrolled in the institute. Two of them are medical doctors.
2: We sit back in awe of what God has done and how he has changed lives. We have had the privilege of witnessing a young couple take their wedding vows, and in this coming year, we'll start a new independent Baptist church. Perhaps you remember Epoy. He was a Muslim, and God saved him, and called him to preach, and he is still serving the Lord at Westside Baptist College of Ministry. His niece Anna got saved, but had to wait 10 years to be baptized, because her parents would not give her permission. Answered prayer, Anna's parents recently received Christ and allowed Anna to be baptized. Graduations are a bittersweet time. Those we have come to love and appreciate in the time that they were students at Westside Baptist College of Ministry must go off to their own ministries to which God has called them. Some go back to their home churches and serve on staff there, while others stay behind and serve on the staff of Westside Baptist College of Ministry.
0: So what is your vision? Who will win more Filipinos of Jesus Christ? Disciple them start more churches, send more missionaries to the foreign fields? Who will start more Bible schools and train young men and women for service to the Lord? Who will be there to watch, teach, and guide the children into their teen years and then to adulthood? Who will be there to be blessed by these little ones and teach them to serve the Lord? Who will be there to eat lejon at the church fellowships or to witness a Buddha fight as a victory celebration after an evangelism month seeing 79 teens and adults trust Christ as their savior? Who will pray and plan more ways to reach the loss for Christ? The vision began in 1973, it grew, changed directions, grew again, and changed directions, and is still going on. As we are headed for the three score and ten as the Bible talks about, what about you? Can you still serve the Lord? There is still a lot of work to be done in winning souls and training young people. Who will take up the torch to carry on the ministry here in DePoluc? Will you?
2: we'd like to leave with you a few prayer requests. Number one, we'd like you to pray for more souls to be saved, baptized, and discipled. The second thing, we'd like you to pray for our continued strength to carry on the vision. And number three, we would like you to pray for more workers for the mission field. We want to thank you for your prayer and financial support while we have been serving the Lord in the Philippines.
0: Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Verse one, we'll be looking, starting there. I beseech you therefore Brethren, who is he talking to? He's not talking to lost people, he's talking to us, Christians, those that are saved. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and we need God's mercy day after day after day, we need his mercy, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you, you've probably seen the pictures of the priest, how he lifts his knife, comes down on the lamb, and it's a sacrifice. He gave it all. And here God's telling us to be a living sacrifice. While you're still breathing, while you're still walking on this earth, I want you to be a sacrifice. How do I do that? Lord, you can have all of me. Lord, you can have my family. He, he can do a better job raising your family. You can. Lord, you can have my finances. That's a hard one. But you know, God can handle your money better than you can. Lord, you can have it all. And what would, he, as you look at this verse here, that living sacrifice has to be a holy sacrifice acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service Name, Father now just guide this time speak through me speak to the hearts of the folks here Lord that we can hear from heaven we need to hear from you Lord please please pray in Jesus name amen and amen as I look at that verse I see that what it's talking about is the leading of God God leading your life. God taking your life. God directing your life. And that should be the desire. Hey, I don't care who it is. A farmer. A teacher. A politician. A doctor. You ought to want God to lead your life. It should be a desire as a Christian. Lord, Lord. Take me, use me, whatever you want, Lord, guide me. Amen? But I find so often Christians, they uh, try to say things like, well, God will understand. Hey, God doesn't understand sin. He hates sin, amen? He hates it. But here, you know, just a couple questions. That I find that when you say that God will understand when you're going the wrong direction or something, does God ever cause you to sin in order to accomplish his will? No. But when you're saying things God will understand, you're saying that. That's what you're what you're saying. But over in Proverbs 3 it says he will direct your paths. He he will direct thy paths. Hey, If he's directing it there's not going to be sin involved. Over in Hebrews 13 it talks about how he would never leave you or forsake you. He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. Sin's not going to be involved. You know as as a Christian we should say Lord Take control of my life. Because Satan, he, he doesn't want you to be involved. He doesn't want you to go to church. He doesn't want you to get here early. He doesn't want you to read the Bible. He doesn't want you to do those things. But the leading of God, God's going to lead you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. Let's look at that second verse. That second verse. Back there in Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Don't look like the world. Don't act like the world. Don't talk like the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hey, Satan wants to take the mind. He wants to control the mind because he knows that God won't be leading you if your mind is under the influence of Satan. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable. What happens when God leads me? I'm in the perfect will of God. And that's what we have wanted for 35 years to be in the perfect will of God. Be right where God wants us, having God protect us, having God direct us. That's what we wanted. And that's what has happened in our lives. And if you're allowing God to lead you, hey, it's your testimony also. Amen. And so we see the, the leading of God being the perfect will of God. Let's look over real quick, like here. One more verse before I take you to the Philippines. But over in Romans 8:28. Romans 8:28. <clears throat> And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now see, as that verse ends there, you love God? If God's leading me, if I'm the perfect will of God, I ought to want to do his purpose. But so many Christians... It's like, what can I get out of it? What can I what can what can that church give me? Hey, it should be, Lord, what can I do for you, Lord? What can I do for you? And so here we're talking about doing the purpose, what God wants in our lives. Well, let me just go ahead and jump over and look at a verse that God used years ago, and I might have read it years ago because this is the verse that God used when he put it in my mind, my heart. Lord, I'll go where nobody else wants to go to. Romans 15, verse 20. Romans 15, verse 20. It says, Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel not where Christ was named lest I should build upon another man's foundation. That verse became so alive to me. Those thoughts that Bob Hughes had put in my mind years beforehand about this island called Samar. I didn't know anything about it when I went, but I found out real quick like, I found out real quick like, I remember one day I was traveling across the island and the communists up in the mountains there, because when you're going through the mountains, you go real slow, bouncing over rocks. The communists stopped us, got on the bus, and at gunpoint they marched us, men, only the men, off the bus and put us in a straight line. And started questioning us. Every so often they'd say some people to go over there. Go over there. Those people were all killed. They came down to where I was. And that guy lifted his rifle to my head and stood there. I didn't breathe. I prayed. And I thought to myself... I'm going to see Jesus real soon. And as I'm looking at that guy's eyes, praying, he lowered his gun and just went to the next person. It definitely catches your attention, you know. But I knew God was there protecting me day after day. And Satan was, he was on a war path. He thought he had that province all sewed up. He thought it was all his. But God had missionaries moving in. Amen. The word of God was coming. Over in Matthew, just go back there real quick like. Matthew 10. How do you deal with this when you're when you're having to confront people like that? Confront Mindanao, the Muslims that we've had to confront. How do you deal with these folks? We just got word just recently that uh, the NPA walked into a house of a pastor and they identified themselves. We are NPA. They lifted a gun and shot him in the head. And I thought, I've been down that road, but they didn't pull the trigger. Praise God. Praise God. But over in Matthew 10, verse 16, it says, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And when I got to Samar, I felt like I was sheep in the midst of wolves. And if you're doing anything for God, you will feel like you're, at times, sheep in the midst of wolves. Satan makes sure of that. But what I want you to look at is look what it says next. Be therefore wise, wise as serpents. Hey, we need to have wisdom when we are in this world serving the Lord, letting God lead us in the perfect will of God, doing his purpose. We need to allow God to feed us with truth, truth. I I remember when I was just starting, deputation different pastors I would sit down talk to him Lee Robinson but Howard Seitler over in South Carolina made an impression on me. It was a couple years before he passed away and he was telling me he says you know I had read this book through hundreds and hundreds of times He said, but young man, do you know what happened this morning when I read my Bible, I found something new, something refreshing God gave to me, amen? (laughs) Friends, I've talked to missionaries and I've had them confide in me that they were having problems reading their Bible, having problems taking time to pray. I've talked to men of God that said, please pray for me because I've had problems getting into God's word. And so when I hear God's men confess that to me, I say, what happens in the pews? Is everybody reading their Bible? Is everybody praying? Hey, this is where truth comes from. This is where wisdom comes from. Wise as serpents, amen? Amen wise as serpents. But then it goes on, harmless as doves. Okay, you're in a battle, harmless as doves. Why? Because I'm on my knees in prayer and the Holy Spirit is doing the fighting. Amen. God does the fighting. Pray. 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 That's what God wants you to do. Now, hear this go to this last four years. Bring it home. I did not plan for COVID, did you? I, I did not plan for lockdown, did you? Maybe I need to define lockdown. For two years, we couldn't fly out. We couldn't take a boat out. I couldn't drive my personal car for much of that time. I could not drive it across my town border. I could not leave my town without armed guards stopping me and sending me back in. Lockdown. Me and my wife, we were over 65. Lockdown. We weren't allowed to walk the streets. We weren't allowed to leave our house. We were not allowed to go into the store and shop because we were the bad guys. We could probably get COVID. And I talk to people and they say, well, I know the cause of the problem. It's the politicians. It's the communists made it. And I say, no, no, no. It was sin. It started in the Garden of Eden. It started in the Garden of Eden. Hey, we started it, amen? Mankind, we started it. You say, well, I don't want to take the blame for COVID. Well, you're not taking the blame for COVID. You're taking the blame for the fact that those kind of things come into the world because of sin, amen? Sin, sin. So, hey, I didn't plan. I, I When we got COVID, <laughs> they came out and yellow-taped our house, crime tape, put it around. Nobody could come in. Nobody could go out for two months. Lockdown. Lockdown. <laughs> it was an interesting time. Lockdown. Hey, you you don't know, a person doesn't obey. A person uh, is not walking in God's way. And then they sit back and start questioning, God, why, 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 why? You know, I look in the Old Testament and you see the children of Israel. You see the situations that when they do wrong, God would give them bad leaders. When they did wrong, God brought things into their lives, problems. Obedience, that's how God blesses you, amen? And and as I read the Bible, you know, it's not a mystery thing. God wants to bless you. God wants to use you. God wants to, to lead you in his perfect will. Doing his purpose, amen? Doing his purpose. I painted a picture, but it wasn't too pretty there, did I? But let me tell you the other side of the story what happened during COVID in our works there Zamboanga del Norte, Mindanao, Samar, what happened? What happened is we saw people saved every single week. Every week. We saw people baptized every week. Oh, hey, we had to play the games like you probably did too. We confronted that we'd go in, talk to the mayor. We'd tell the mayor, this is what we're doing. Yeah. then God would open doors in miraculous ways. Three men in our Bible school, they had gone out in the ministry and they were serving the Lord. All of a sudden, during COVID, during COVID they said, God wants me to start a new work. One work, two works, three works. During COVID they started works and they're still going on Today. Can't be done. Hey, you're forgetting God, amen. Two men, two men said I believe God wants me to go to the mission field. Did you see that couple up there getting married? He was a converted Muslim also. He had gotten saved come to Bible school, had gone out, was helping in the ministry. And all of a sudden he said, I believe God wants me to go to Cambodia as a missionary. He did his deputation during COVID. You know what people kept saying? It can't be done. It can't be done. You're forgetting that God, with God, all things are possible. And he was raising his support. Slowly, but well, surely. One man, the other man, there was two of them, he got COVID so bad he almost died. He got better, continued on the, the deputation trail. July, he's going to Thailand. He's going to Thailand. When we finally, when we finally could open up our Bible school after a year and a half, We went out, rounded them up. We weren't going to have them take public transportation because that was going to be a heartache to get them there. They had to go be quarantined here, quarantined here, probably take them a year to get to us. So we went around because they gave us permission. Rounded up. Our, Our freshman class, our freshman class, Me and and Brother Rice, we were saying, I'll probably have two new students, maybe. One new student, maybe. We had 19 new students. (laughs) COVID didn't stop that either, amen? I I think, I like to look at it and say, I think Satan got a black eye because God got the victory. And anytime I go around the USA and I hear that, Yes, there was difficulties. Yes, there were problems. Yes, yes. And then I hear people get, had gotten saved. And I say, well, there's another one. Praise God, another one. Another one. Hey, I, I, I like to see victories, amen? And God wants to lead us. God wants to direct us. He wants us in the perfect will of God. When I started, I mentioned different occupations. One of them I mentioned was the farmer. And I want to end with this here. My wife, her grandfather in Upper New York, was a farmer. He loved the Lord. I mean, he was a soul winner. He walked with God. God led that man. He was the perfect will of God. The town, they made him the judge. <laughs> he was so honest. The pastor, he was the pastor's right-hand man, but he was a farmer, a farmer, being led of God, amen? God was leading him, the perfect will of God. We started deputation and we'd gotten word that her grandfather was in the hospital and how he had lost his memory. He didn't recognize his friends, his children, his wife. And I said, well, we'll we'll go by and see him. So we drove into town, went to the hospital. His granddaughter walked in the stranger that married him to the family walked in and he looked over at us and he said, Dan, you know what I'm concerned about? These doctors and nurses need to get saved in this hospital. He knew where he was at. He knew all about Jesus. His mind was set on Jesus. On Jesus. We talked, we talked Before we left, he said to me, he said, Dan, I want you to tell one of the doctors or nurses about Jesus before you leave. I was in a hurry. Uh, I felt about time to hit the altar, amen. I felt so guilty. But I hand out some tracts and I had to leave. A few months later, we were coming back and we heard the same story. He hadn't talked to anybody. He didn't recognize anybody. I said, "Well, we're gonna go see him." We walked in. The granddaughter, the stranger. He looked at us, and he said, "Damn, did you tell somebody about Jesus here in the hospital?" You talk about being under conviction. About that time, God brought this nurse in that was so full of burdens and oh. And, Guilt. I mean, it's just like, thank you, Lord. And I started to talk to her, and she she was hungry for something, the truth. And as I went along, I was talking to her, and all of a sudden, her grandfather, at one point he says, Dan, stick to the facts, stick to the facts. I was chasing rabbits, Amen. I was being being rebuked by the man that knew nothing. As soon as she accepted Christ as her savior, he hit the table and he said, it is finished, she's going to heaven. See, his mind was so set on Jesus, the world didn't matter to him. We need to be led of God, amen? Amen. We need to be in the perfect will of God. We need to say, Lord, I want to do your purpose. Where do you want me? What do you want me to do, Lord? Lead me, Lord. Lead me. And when God leads, he blesses, amen? He blesses. How about a Christian? How's your Christian life? Does God have a hold of you? Is he blessing you? Is he directing you? Is he leading you? Are you in that perfect will of God? Show me your prayer life and I'll tell you where you stand. Do you talk to God? Do you talk to God? Lead me, Lord. Lead me. Dear Heavenly Father,